Welcome to the Delano Newsmakers podcast, bringing context to the stories that matter in Luxembourg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Newsmakers. Today, we'll be talking about implementing sustainability practices in businesses here in Luxembourg. I'm joined by Sophie Oberg, Deputy Director of IMS Luxembourg, a network of Luxembourg companies involved in corporate social responsibility. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much, Stuart. We're very happy to be here today. Yeah, it's good to have you as well. And can we just start with a little overview of what IMS is and what does it do? Yes, absolutely. IMS, uh, which stands for Inspiring More Sustainability, um, is a non-profit organization based in Luxembourg uh, since actually 15 years ago this year. Um, We are dedicated to um, sustainability topics. We are a member of organizations, um, mostly private organizations. Uh, We do have uh, more than 180 organizations today, uh, but we do have as well uh, public organizations uh, as members. Uh, And besides, we have also uh, non-profit organizations uh, which are associated members, uh, and we have more than 70 of them. Mm -hmm. Right. So these companies uh, then and their uh, employees or or, um, whoever is responsible for their sustainability practices, they would come to you or to your events and receive sort of uh, advice or guidance. So what sort of issues do companies in Luxembourg normally face when they try to implement sustainable or environment friendly uh, practices? Well, you could say that um, they do. Uh, the first challenge um, is the diversity and complexity of the of the topics. Um, when you speak about sustainability, very classically, um, you speak about three pillars: uh, people, planet, and prosperity. Um, within people, uh, you would have topics. Um, within the social uh, area. So it could be diversity and inclusion, uh, education, social resources, health, well-being, etc. Um, within the planet pillar, um, it's more about natural resources, um, renewable energies, uh, carbon footprint, biodiversity, And within the third pillar, prosperity, um, this would be more related to uh, economic, the economic area. So the economic model, uh, and here uh, you would deal with the so-called triple um, bottom line. So if you look um, at uh, all these topics, and I have actually named only a few of them, um, the agenda is extremely broad both in terms of just the quantity of topics included, but also in terms of scope. Again, from really diversity and inclusion uh, to renewable energy uh, through human rights. So this would be really a challenge uh, to understand, to assess, to evaluate which topics are actually relevant for an organization on which topics shall my organization focus on and work with. And to some extent, uh, you could meet as well um, 
some challenges in having everybody on board because activating sustainability into an organization, it's really about change management. Um, so it's key to convince employees at all levels in order to succeed. And this could be a challenge for some organization. Right. So um, we've definitely seen um, a surge in interest from companies to do that. But seeing as you uh, at IMS work directly with companies, you are best equipped to say, why do they do it? What is their motivation to to implement those? And um, so I'm wondering what has pushed companies in Luxembourg to do that, actually? Um, actually, if you think about the definition itself of sustainability, um, which encompasses in its core the notions of long term, the notions of preservation, cautiousness of resources, be they human, be they natural, uh, you could say that actually conducting a business responsibly, sustainably, is actually good business. So doing good is good for business. So you could say that this is a main and key reason why more and more are embarked um, on this journey because more and more understand that actually to conduct your business and nobody wants to conduct a business for only one day. <laughs> so as such, long term is key for a business. And in order to conduct your business in the long term, you need to be cautious of your resources. It can be, again, your human resources, your employees. Of course, without employees, you can't conduct your business. And here you have both, of course, existing employees that you need to take care of, but you have also potential employees. And here you are within the so-called employer branding, within the so-called reputation of your organization, within how you can attract people to come and work with you and for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And still, a lot of them, I'm sure, have uh, good intentions in their in their in their heart but there is also greenwashing and if we can talk about that for a moment i think can we just touch on a bit how do you separate a company who really does these um uh, really implements these practices in good conscience and another that does it essentially for marketing purposes or to attract more business or more employees Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, well, greenwashing is, um, is you could say, really, um, when you talk more than you walk. Greenwashing is when there is a gap between um, your uh, communication and hence your image on the market and your actual doings. And it's uh, true that uh, it unfortunately happens. Um, either uh, because organizations want to actually take advantages of the increased interest, increased concern of consumers, of customers uh, in sustainability, um, or because they, well, um, feel uh, or need to adapt to the increasing regulations. Uh, but actually, the thing is that it's also, you could say, exactly through um, these two uh, reasons why uh, that you can spot greenwashing. Um, because on, on the one hand, um, it's about uh, if an organization 
um, is uh, certified. Um, there do exist today uh, a variety of certifications, uh, labels, standards, um, in order to really assess and officially, um, well, certify uh, that your organization walks the talk. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've actually looked, I took a look before uh, sitting down to talk with you about the members uh, of IMS. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Mudam, Enovos, ACL, AXA, mm -hmm. Cargolux, a bunch of a uh, number of banks. Yeah. And these are companies uh, or institutions that vary in their activity. And um, that that made an impression on me. And I feel like surely there is not a one size fits all solution for all of them when they try to implement uh, that. So how can companies make sure they're making the right choice instead of applying a generic solution that everyone else is doing? No, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, there is no one size fits all, um, even though um, on the one hand, when it comes to the approach, this can um, um, be similarly used by any company independently of the sector of the size. Because the approach itself, uh, if we come back to actually your first question, when we said that one of the first challenge is actually the scope, uh, the broadness, the diversity of the topics. When an organization um, wants to work professionally uh, in activating sustainability, one of the first actually action which is recommended to do is a so-called materiality analysis. A materiality analysis is an exercise which allows an organization to actually map all the topics which are relevant for the organization internally and on the uh, matrix which are relevant for the external stakeholders. So it's both an internal and external view. And the idea um, is for the organization in order to help um, prioritize and focus to do this materiality analysis so that they can focus on the topics which are relevant, which are material to both their internal business objectives and their external stakeholders' concerns, because sustainability is really about impact. So you need to understand which impact you do have as an organization on your external and internal as well, of course, stakeholders, and to understand which impact your external stakeholders have on your organization. Um, so for example, this approach of the materiality analysis, this can be done and actually it's recommended uh, that an organization does it. And this can be done independently of the sector of the size. Then when it comes to solution, um, when it comes to, for example, diversity and inclusion uh, at work, of course, depending on uh, if you are a global organization with a very multicultural workforce, or if you are a smaller organization, Again, the focus and the priorities may differ, but there are best practices in how, for example, to work with so-called unconscious BAs. And this can absolutely be shared um, between organizations of all sizes. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, IMS does not uh, work only with uh, companies or um, representatives of, of the department that takes care of implementing the sustainability um, practices, but also IMS works with the employees of the companies or, or speaks to them. That's, that's right. Absolutely, absolutely. Our activities are open to actually any employee, whatever his or her uh, responsibilities within the organization which is a member. So then we've seen also uh, a lot of employees. Um, obviously, uh, after the pandemic, we've been talking about the great resignation, people leaving their companies mm -hmm. in 2021, starting from spring. and trying to to make different choices uh, not only in their in their personal lives but also in which company they would like to work for and we have seen um, a bit of a trend forming in in employees choosing companies that have implemented those sustainable practices um, why do you think that employees are sort of catching up to the trend now because these sustainability practices have been here for a long time. After all, uh, IMS Luxembourg exists for 15 years and there are many other uh, organizations in the world that want to, to promote those sustainable practices. Yes, um, that's absolutely correct. Um, you could say that employees um, who are at the end of the day, well, citizens, more and more, the frontier between private life and professional life are disappearing. Um, so what maybe uh, you react to uh, in your home and when in your home you try to be a good citizen and maybe you, you do waste management, um, you work maybe uh, as, you know, a voluntary um, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, you commit uh, on, on a voluntary basis in an association. Um, you maybe raise your kids uh, with specific values and so on. More and more and more, all this, well, when you as a citizen uh, come in then in your work, um, there is no more such silos and there is an increased urge uh, of really aligning these concerns you may have as a citizen with the way your organization and your employer work. Um, so there is this common increased mm -hmm. awareness on, on, on both you know, sides of your life as an individual, both citizen and employees. Do you think that companies who don't implement these sustainability practices will fall off? will no longer be that attractive to uh, employees? Yes, actually, the thing is that um, um, research uh, from both universities and consulting services and several polls around the world um, show how people today um, have put higher in their criteria um, organizations which apply and which activate uh, sustainability practices. So on the one hand, definitely, it's about really your reputation, your image, and how you concretely um, activate this value. Because again, back to this greenwashing, uh, uh, it's not at all uh, about um, choosing an organization who only 
or who talk more than walk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so and and also, um, you could say that since doing good is good for business, um, at the end of the day, an organization which doesn't uh, take care of the environment environment around and with now environment, I'm talking about not only the uh, natural resources, but also environment in terms of communities around and the, the, the people around and your uh, you know, partners, suppliers, um, all your stakeholders within your value chain. If you don't work responsibly with them, at the end of the day, you won't have any business anymore because it's a kind of push and pull. On the one hand, there is actually, again, increase, increased awareness and request from potential and existing employees um, urging you as an organization to do something. On the other hand, there is more and more regulations pushing you as well uh, to really act and react uh, responsibly so that you can really still, well, keep existing as a business. Right. And um, very finally, I'm just wondering as well, um, where do you see the trends in sustainability in business um, uh, progressing in the next few years? I would say that uh, maybe the really um, big challenge is to put people at the heart of the transition to reconcile the transition which is often still very understood as environmental transition but it's very much so as well a social transition and in order to succeed um, in this environmental and economic transition you need to have the social justice with you um, and actually um, uh, more, more and more, uh, even at the European Commission, directly after, oh, directly a few months after they had presented the European Green Deal, um, they have also presented guidance uh, for a fair and inclusive transition. Um, so it's really key to include employment and social aspects so that the so-called green transition won't leave people aside on the road. Right. Uh, it's definitely good to hear that uh, this is not a top-down uh, movement and something that is inclusive for everyone. Uh, and um, thanks a lot uh, for your uh, comments today. That just about uh, concludes this episode for today. And it was uh, very nice to have you on this uh, podcast, Sophie. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And uh, thanks to our listeners as well. Uh, we'll catch you in a few weeks' time. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening. You can listen to all our podcasts on Delano.lu and on all podcast platforms. And subscribe to the Delano newsletter for all the latest Luxembourg news in English. Sign up on Delano.lu.